Kim Sujawalski, and I'm your host here at the Brownwell Podcast, a place in which every week we talk about delicious food, about making more vegan choices no matter where you are along the way. And because food is never just about the food, I'll support and guide you to a happier, kinder, and more mindful relationship with that wonderful moment of eating. Are you ready? Lace up those trainers if you're going for a walk or grab a cup of coffee, get comfy on the couch, and listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bramble Podcast. I am so happy to have you here for another one of our very special and new series of interviews in the podcast. Today, we have Sonia, the founder of Echo Serain in the podcast. And I am so excited that you're going to meet, quote unquote, meet this incredible human being that is doing so much for this beautiful planet of ours. Sonia is the founder of Echo Serain. She started the brand in 2019 and not only sells eco-friendly products, but also organizes cleanups in the United States and her home country of Serbia. So far, they have organized multiple events, cleaning up more than 10,000 pounds of trash. They've had around 100 volunteers joining them, uniting different nationalities and groups. It is truly a beautiful endeavor that is helping make this planet safer for all. And coronavirus has slowed them down a bit, but they are planning to grow these numbers more from this year on. From each individual purchase of their beautiful eco-friendly products. They donate $1 to organize local cleanups and buy the needed supplies, t-shirts, food for volunteers, and so much more. In today's conversation with Sonia, we talk about our disconnection to the trash we discard, her journey to becoming an incredible environmental ambassador. She gives me a lesson or two about recycling and ways to reduce plastic use in the bathroom, kitchen, and when shopping. And she brings inspiring stories from gathering people together to do the hands-on work of cleaning the natural spaces we share with animals and communities that are being greatly harmed by our use of plastics. If you're the kind of person that loves tip interviews where so many helpful tips are shared, this is the one for you. You can connect with Sonia and the team behind their brand and all of their wonderful, cool products and learn so many tips through their Instagram account, which is at Echo Serene, and that's E-C-O-S-E-R-E-I-N. And also through their website, which is echoserene.com. And of course, you will find all of those links in the show notes. And before we get started with today's incredible conversation with Sonia, here is a note from today's sponsor, our online course, The Roadmap. This episode is brought to you by our online course, The Roadmap. The Roadmap is a 21-day course that will help guide the way if you're newly vegan, thinking of becoming vegan, or wanting to take more steps in this direction. Module by module, we take you by the hand through every step, covering topics like finding your motivation and having the right mindset when making this change 
to how to build a balanced plate, how to shop, prep, stay on budget, plan your meals, travel, get organized, and navigate every social situation as a vegan and so many others. There is no stone left unturned in this course, and we do it all with that approach that you love so much, in which missteps are welcome and there is no such thing as perfection. And of course, it includes the most delicious recipes and menu ideas. There's so much more included in this course. So head on over to brownbull.com forward slash the roadmap to watch our video trailer to see the full list of modules, lessons and recipes, pricing and more. Again, that's brownbull.com forward slash the roadmap. Now on with the show. Hi, Sanya. Welcome to the podcast. I am so glad you're here. It is such an honor to sort of finally meet you, although we're not in person, but it feels like it, it feels more like it really? compared to only seeing what you do online. How are you doing? Um, Kim, thank you so much, first of all, for inviting me to your podcast. It's really an honor and I'm really, really glad that we get to spend some time together. Um, I'm doing absolutely amazing. I'm also in Europe as we speak, so it's really easy now to uh, organize this <laughs> versus if you know we're in different time zones it will be a little harder but um, this now works perfect. That's wonderful so where are you joining us from? I'm originally from Serbia mm -hmm. I was born in Serbia I grew up in Greece though so I spent half of my life in Greece and uh, seven years ago I moved to the States so I'm actually located uh, half in New York City and half in Belgrade Serbia so at this time, I'm currently in Europe. <laughs> I did not know that you had moved to the United States. That is, uh, that's great. So you share your time between these two cities. Absolutely. Wow. Yes. Wonderful. Now, Sanya, please tell us a little bit about you, uh, about growing up in Serbia and just what inspired you to do all of the work that you do. Perfect. Um, so I'd actually love to talk more about my growing up in Greece because I had to do a lot with my, I would say, development and later on the decision to start, you know, learning more about ecology and uh, plastic pollution and vegan lifestyle and all of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, when I was in Greece, um, I mean, we all know it's a beautiful country, has a lot of, uh, you know, beaches, the waters are beautiful. So um, I grew up. I would say on the um, side of the Greece that has a lot of beaches, it's the northern part. Mm -hmm. So it was just very easy for me to uh, go during the summertime, you know, uh, to the beach, clean up a little bit, learn from my family how to do that. Um, we also, I was a part of um, a Girl Scout group, if that's the name, right? Yes. So, Yeah. Um, also over there, we had a lot of classes that we would take and people, our mentors actually would take us out to the nature, to the mountain part of, you know, the city, uh, to the forests. So we will learn to clean the, uh, that area as well. We were planting trees. Uh, we learned what's plastic, what's not, you know, good for the nature, what's good for the nature, all the type of trees, um, the different types of animals, insects, a lot of that stuff. So that was kind of the beginning of my story, which was, you know, it's dating since 1990s uh, when I was living back there. So um, later on, when I grew up, you know, and I moved to the States and um, the plastic has become such a huge problem, even more now than back in the 90s, 
now it's actually it was actually time to do something with that knowledge start educating myself more start reading more watching documentaries taking courses and all of that stuff uh, I love how you shared that it was uh, being a part of the scouts growing up, yep. how that gave you that connection to nature. And I think that's so interesting because we really don't put uh, in, we don't give enough credit to educators when, uh, when children are young, how much of an impact that can have. And I was never a Girl Scout, although now that I am, I love the outdoors. I love being nature. It's my favorite thing. I wish I had been a part of the scouts, but I, I just love them as an organization, the work that they do, how they help uh, connect us with the environment, with the world around us. It's so special. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that how important it is teaching children from young age, actually, to take care of the planet to take care of their surroundings, the people, and in general, how they communicate with themselves, that's how they're going to communicate one day with everybody else and with our nature too. So um, all of those organizations are really, really important. Yes, uh, I love that. How did uh, growing up in Greece and just learning about all of these things and doing the beach cleanups. We're going to get all into the beach cleanups because I am so interested in hearing more about that. So we'll get to that in a second. But how did that uh, sort of then transition into this incredible brand that you have now and all of the work you're doing currently? Because it's truly amazing, the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, um, it actually started... I would say developing when I moved to the States Mm -hmm. and um, I'm not sure. Are you, um, have you ever been to the States? Yes. Yes. My family is American. I lived in New York city twice and my family is still there. So yes. uh, Yes. Love New York with a passion. It's my soul city. And I am, I'm so excited that you live there now. (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's a, I would say love hate relationship as much as, the energy is amazing when it comes to like that, I would say, eco lifestyle and seeing all the trash, all the dirtiness and that, I would say, dark side of New York City. It's really disturbing. Uh, yes, I, I can. I hear you on that. And I think that's a, an issue that many big cities are facing nowadays. Absolutely. So, well, uh, the story started when I moved to the States. And um, as you well know, and probably most of the world <laughs> Um, Americans have a very specific diet and, um, they eat a lot of fast food. So when I moved to, um, the States, I wasn't really taking care of my diet. I wasn't really thinking how much that can affect my health, my well being. So I wanted to try everything. And when I say everything from donuts to, uh, cookies, to chips, to anything I can really consume and try that's different from the food in my culture. And that really um, affected my health. I started developing ulcers a few months later. And um, it was really hurtful. I was I ended up at the ER one night. And um, I had a lot of pain. I had to take medication. And I was 23 years old at the time. So the doctor there told me that from now on, I have to start taking uh, an anti-acid pill every time before my meal. And I really rejected that. I could not believe that a healthy human being, 23-year-old young being, 
has to take medication for the rest of her life because of the food that she was taking prior to that. So there has to be something that can be fixed, right? There has to be, I have to fix the source of it, not just, you know, take medication and continue the lifestyle. So I started doing more research and I found out about, you know, vegan diet, which I really did not know much about before. So for health reasons, I started focusing more on, you know, uh, vegan recipes. And um, when you start a vegan lifestyle, I would say, then everything else kind of comes together. Then you realize that ecology has to do a lot with veganism, that taking care of the planet and reducing plastic has to do a lot with veganism. So everything's kind of connected. And that's basically the beginning of the story. Uh, I I am so sorry you experienced uh, all of these hardships with your health, uh, especially ulcers at such a young age. That is not something that uh, should be a, a part of the picture. And it is for many people. And uh, I was a I struggled with gastritis, chronic gastritis for a few years at a very young age. And that was just any digestive issues are so painful, so hard to deal with because you, every time you eat there, there is sometimes flare up of symptoms and it, it can be such a challenging thing. So I am, I, I hope that all of that has now is, is now better and feeling better. Well, it was for a good reason. There's everything reason for everything happening in our life. We just mm -hmm. have to realize what's that trying to teach us. You know what I mean? So um, it was actually a very good thing for me because it moved me and it changed completely my life. So I'm very grateful. <laughs> I, I love what you say, how you, and I, I hear this from a lot of our students. Veganism is, of course, a movement that started with animal rights and the welfare of animals in mind. And I think that it's always a good thing to remind ourselves of that. But a lot of people do come into this from the health perspective and then they see all of the thing behind their veganism sort of shift and encompass everything else. And I, I, I love that that was a point of connection for you. Uh, I love that. I mean, besides, besides just for health reasons, that's when you start actually thinking, when you start caring for your own self and when you start loving yourself, that's when you can actually share more love towards other beings too. Mm -hmm. And that's when you start noticing oh, you know what, that animal doesn't really deserve that, right? And that's only when you can love you and have compassion for you, that's when you can feel that towards other beings too. You are absolutely right. Uh, it has to start with self-compassion and then the compassion extends to others. And veganism has this very magical thing in, in my view where it connects you to everything. It is this source of, of just connecting the dots of our daily actions and the world mm -hmm. we live in. And that is a very special gift that I think veganism has brought to a lot of people. Uh, that's so exciting. So let's talk about after you heal the digestive issues, after you changed your diet, how did you then uh, create this space where you are just protecting the environment and taking so much hands-on action. How did that came to be? Well, I mean, it's not really hard once you start from one step, once you take action, that's when everything kind of starts falling, 
you know, together and, and like coming together. So watching documentaries, definitely. Um, and I watched tons of documentaries. There's a Netflix about vegan lifestyle. Forks Over Nice was one of my favorites talking about, you know, in general or health and later on how switching to a plant-based diet is going to help you much more, your well-being and, you know, how you function on a daily basis and just everything in general. And then every documentary has to do a little bit with like plastic pollution too, or, you know, ocean pollution too. So once you start connecting the dots and then for one thing, it gets you like interested in the documentary, then you go and Google search something else. And then it kind of connects you to like you, you connect the dots and then you get the bigger picture and you're like, okay, so I started with vegan diet because of my well-being, but then I came to the conclusion that plastic is a horrible thing and plastic is such a huge problem and everything's really connected if you think about it. So, you know, eating animals, because like, if you eat animals, you have to um, have a lot of farms. So you have to, there's like deforestation. So you have to make space for those animals, right? You have to cut trees, you have everything so much connected, that then you realize, okay, this is a huge problem. Like, it's just not one topic. It's like multiple topics, but like, you know, connected. I love how how you explain that just one step can just be, sort of uh, pave the way. And then one thing leads to another leads to another. Uh, in my case, it was documentaries also that took me along this path. And I, I am so grateful to them. I love documentaries. I continue to watch them. And every time I watch a new one, whether it has anything to do with veganism or not, something in our lives shifts and we make better choices when it comes to the the products we buy or um, our use of plastics or the food we consume it can be uh life-changing to watch one th these images and 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 Absolutely. listen to these experts i love that now i went vegan for animal reasons i watched mm -hmm. i watched a few documentaries i watched the documentary veducated i watched the documentary mm -hmm. earthlings which was just Our shattering it. it was oh my goodness so such a hard one to watch and yeah. so that's how I sort of went along this path and why I'm still on it I am a huge animal lover and I didn't want my actions to contribute to these industries and I know a lot of our listeners are also on this path because of animals and I I wanted to ask you in what ways does our plastic consumption affect animals so um, I, I will start with um, the fact that one day I was at the beach, how my cleanups actually started. Um, I was at the beach in Brooklyn, and um, there's a lot of seagulls there. I love feeding them. I always have some snacks with me and then like some breadcrumbs, you know, or something from my sandwich. <laughs> and I always kind of throw them and then they come to me and I just feel loved by, you know, animals. I don't know. I love it. It's just different type of energy, right? And yes. It's so great. Yes. So um, as I was feeding them, I saw one seagull that could not walk. And um, I was confused. I didn't know if he was hurt or something was happening. So I tried approaching to see what was going on. And I saw a fishnet. He was mm -hmm. tangled. His poor little feet were tangled in the fishnet and he could not walk. And I mean, I tried helping him, but unfortunately, it's a bird. He got scared and he flew away. 
it broke my heart to pieces. I swear, I felt so heartbroken and crashed. First, I could not help, you know, such a beautiful animal. And second, that's because of us. That's because of humans. You know what I mean? So it was really, really disturbing. And right away, I started thinking, what's the way I can help, I would say, not seeing this or reducing this? You know, it it was just really, really bad. Yeah. We're we're smarter than that. As human beings, we're so much better and smarter than that. And we can do so much more. Yeah. So the issue isn't only the trash that people are leaving in beaches, which I can't, I just can't even comprehend who would still be doing that, but it happens. But that's not the only issue. The issue is also in our oceans and with fishing materials and and such. Absolutely. That that is actually one of the biggest pollution polluters, I would say. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sometimes I, I make mistakes in English because it's not my first language. <laughs> you are doing incredibly well, and I'm so impressed with your English. It is yeah. wonderful. It's actually my third language. So Ooh, Yes, Greek, uh, Serbian, and English. Wow. Well, for listeners, if I make any mistakes, I deeply apologize for that. <laughs> Do not even worry one bit. Our listeners are the kindest group of peeps. Amazing. So um, they can also watch, I would warmly recommend Seaspiracy. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing documentary. There's a lot of information over there. They can see how much fishing contributes to pollution. And um, not only for the animals that um, they get, you know, um, entangled, they get uh, hurt and um, they die from basically all those you know, man-made equipment that we make and, you know, it's just, it's a disaster, but it also comes back to us people because we consume that fish, which has microplastics in it. So it's, it's both ways, very hurtful. It's for the animals hurtful. It's for us as well. And people don't think about it. You know, they think if they take the trash out of their home, that it's gone, but it's absolutely not gone. There's wind. There is water, there is rain that always kind of gets it to the water, to the ocean, to the rivers, right? So um, it always ends up back to us, unfortunately. To me, it is mind-blowing. I have seen footage of this huge mass that is in the Pacific Ocean uh, of of plastic. And I say, how is this plastic reaching our Mm -hmm. oceans if we're putting it in the trash bin in our house and taking it to the recycling center or recycling it in the bins? Uh, how does this plastic reach our oceans? Well, it basically, it, not all the plastic goes for recycling. That's one of the main problems, right? Um, a lot of trash, actually all the trash goes to landfills. And from those landfills, it kind of breaks down to smaller and smaller parts, which is microplastics, which of course, you know, it's our earth works miraculously and it has a circle and all those, all the rain, all the winds and everything that takes that trash from those landfills, it takes it to the forest, it takes it to the waters, again, I'm saying, to like the rivers, to the oceans. And that's how we kind of end up there. So it is uh, just incredible how this is such a point of disconnection for us in that we 
are doing our best. We're recycling. We're putting everything in our bins. We're taking everything to where it's supposed to go. And then we truly do have this fantasy that it sort of disappears. You are absolutely right. And uh, of course it doesn't. That goes somewhere. That has an impact. Absolutely. And especially plastics. Um, It is said that plastics takes at least 450 years to break down to microplastics. So it doesn't even disappear. It just becomes smaller and smaller parts, which comes back to our digestive system. You know, we've all seen these images of a sea turtle with those, uh, the rings, the plastic rings that come, um, that hold soda cans together, for example. We've all seen uh, those heartbreaking pictures of a sea turtle with the, the, the ring around its neck. But it's not just those examples. And of course, those examples need to, that needs to disappear as well. But it's also the, these tiny particles that are, are so damaging. And when we talk about these small particles, uh, there's also a very good documentary for all of our listeners. It's called A Plastic Ocean. It's also on Netflix. And it shows images of birds who are uh, flying around the beaches, and they think that those microplastics are food. They try to eat them, and unfortunately, they cannot digest them. So um, a team of researchers have found, I think it was somewhere in Australia or New Zealand, there was a beach that every single week they would find hundreds of birds dead. So they didn't know what was happening. They thought it was some type of disease or something in the air until they opened their stomachs and they saw them fold, filled with plastic. This is mind-blowing. Oh, this is mind-blowing and tragic and just such a wake-up call to just even, I picture this image in my head and I can't. It is is a bad documentary and that was was definitely one of the life-changing moments for me when I saw that documentary and I saw those images and videos and... I was just heartbroken. I cannot believe what we humans, such intelligent beings, what we are doing, not only to the animals, but to ourselves too. Yeah, we. it is such a, a just humbling thing to realize that we are capable of such great things, such wonderful creations, uh, such just amazing inventions. And we can also be uh, so destructive as well. And yeah. Uh, What are the biggest sources of plastic pollution as what you've been able to research or see? And and I don't mean, uh, I'm going to ask you first in the general sense and then maybe in the individual sense. So definitely say um, the big corporations that are still producing Mm -hmm. plastic bottles, plastic bags, um, plastic straws, So anything made out of plastic. And it's really, really hard for consumers to make the change, especially in areas where there's no chance for them to find more eco-friendly options. Because everywhere you go, like big developed cities, now they have more and more eco-options, eco-stores and stuff like that. But there's a lot of places on this earth, a lot of cities, a lot of towns that have not so many options, right? So um, definitely we need to support these big organizations that are fighting against the big corporations and um, also to maybe talk rights to influencers, like people who have mass following on social media because social media nowadays is, is really 
it, it's huge. Like it's it's life changing. People are selling there. They're being educated there. They're being entertained there. So it's not only for one thing used, right? So we should also um, talk to influencers as much as possible, which I'm trying to do in my country here in Serbia to reach as many people as possible that have a lot of following. And um, them talking to the masses then and educating them more and more because they have, you know, such huge following because these big corporations is just, it's so hard. So we as individuals, we have to do a lot. And um, it's really on us. Unfortunately, it's really on us, on the individual. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we have been the sort of that initial spark that has started so many positive movements. It hasn't come. It's never going to come from the cop corporations having this awakening of saying, yeah. oh, we need to do better. It is the pressure that Absolutely. consumers put on companies and which companies we support and which we don't. That's how veganism is. That's how yes. veganism is, you know? And now more and more you see, for instance, oat milk in the stores versus regular milk, cow milk. Like there is more and more brands of, you know, plant milks. And it's it's just amazing to see the development. And that's because us as consumers are requiring more of it. Absolutely. We as, you know, regular people, I would say, not a one big corporation, right? But we as regular people say no. I reject that. I don't want that. And we start switching towards more sustainable options. That's when they will have to just follow it. Yeah. What are the biggest sources of plastic that you see us as consumers using where we could make uh, shifts? So what is it? Is it the cleaning products that we buy or is it toothbrushes? Or uh, I know that now with the pandemic, there, at least where we live, we see. 20 masks a day on the ground. It is insane. Yeah. And I have seen in your social media that you've been picking up gloves from the ground and, and sort of disposing of them. It is just incredible that we're still having these issues. So what are some of those individual sources of plastic use and pollution? I mean, I can give some advice what I have been doing myself mm -hmm. and how I have been reducing plastic in my own household, um, starting from masks. I mean, for instance, I'm using a cotton mask, so I do not use the single use masks anymore. And if somebody uses those still, uh, please make sure to cut the strings off because those actually hurt the animals. If you do use them, just cut them. It's very easy. It's a two second thing. And that's how you can throw them in the bin. This is the type of gems that keep popping up in our interviews where like, there is no way that I would have thought to cut the strings of a disposable mask. No way. What other things do you see in terms of personal products? Another thing is when we buy fruits and vegetables for, you know, every day we have to go to the grocery. It's, it's just a normal thing. Um, using reusable bags. It's very, very important. I do use um, the cotton bags. And it's also from my company, uh, EcoSerene. So we have 100% cotton bag. Um, even our tags are made from cotton. So it's organic cotton. And we really try to reduce plastic as much as possible. And I use these for fruits and vegetables. So I try not to buy the uh, ones that are already prepackaged. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, like for the big bag, we can just use um, 
know, jute bags or old cotton bags, or they have like nice uh, colorings or, you know, some nice signs on them. It can be really fun and fashionable. It doesn't have to be very boring. Um, that is one thing for water, because nowadays water is being really contaminated and there is a lot of cities especially that you cannot really drink water from the faucet, right? And um, I would suggest buying a filter instead of buying plastic bottles for your home. Because I know a lot of families buying bottles of uh, water and using that in their homes. Filters are such a better option. Um, and also having your own reusable water bottle that you can take with you when you go somewhere out. It's, mm-hmm. it's just amazing. Same for the coffee. You know, making coffee at home, you save money and you also don't pollute the environment. Yeah. And if you do have a, a a coffee shop that you love, you can even take your own reusable Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it was hard because of the pandemic. I had such a hard time to find places where they would take my, you know, coffee cup to make my own coffee. It was really mm-hmm. disaster. So I would basically have to sit every time and take, you know, drink my coffee from a regular mug instead of just not getting a to-go container, but just having it there. That's a, a great option. That's what I always do. And I love how often you are mentioning that in some places around the world, mm-hmm. uh, there are issues with uh, the safety of water and what we could do in terms of getting a filter. I grew up in Venezuela. I don't know if you know this. Beautiful. <laughs> but there, uh, the water was never safe uh, to drink from the tap. And so every week, this huge truck would come with these giant glass bottles of water that you would turn upside down, like in a water cooler situation like you have in the office, but they were all made of glass. And then they would take take back the one that you had, bring it back refilled. And now I sometimes remember these things that we had so many years ago. And I say, wow. Sometimes in places where you do not expect, there are some good alternatives that we could go back to. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I agree. I mean, you know, minimizing the use of plastic, it actually requires, it's a cultural shift. It's a relationship of people and food and time. It's like you have to make time to make food. And it's definitely a cultural shift. We're, we're living such a fast-paced life nowadays that everything's on the go. There's fast food, there's plastic. Oh, you know what? I'm thirsty. I'm just going to run to the store and grab a bottle of water. But every day doing that for weeks and years, it wastes our money, a lot of money, and it makes a lot of plastic and pollution. Yes. Um, tell us, give us your tips when it comes to these plastics we use in terms of our beauty products or our cosmetics. How are there alternatives to that? What do you do in your life? Well, first of all, I switch to soaps. So I'm not using anything that has plastic anymore. My shampoos mm-hmm. are, you know, soap bars. Um, my gel, it's not a gel anymore. It's a soap. And um, even for my face, I do not use any, you know, uh, containers like plastics, but I use also soaps for my face. So that has been the best shift ever. And I'm really, really, really happy. There's no waste. Absolutely. I love that. We've been doing that entire transition and I have actually found products that are even better than the commercial ones you can get in, in, in these plastic packages. What is something that we can, for example, 
write in Google to find places that sell some of these zero waste products or products that are wrapped in cardboard instead of plastic. How could we start researching and seeing where we can buy these? Um, it's just what you said, zero waste products, zero waste products for bathrooms, zero waste products for kitchen. So do your own for kitchen. So it says even you have even recipes how to make your own detergent. Mm-hmm. And you use baking soda, you use vinegar, you use salt, you use, it's so easy. And it's, it's substances that you, they're not toxic. They're not going to hurt you, your own health. And also they're not going to make any waste. They're not going to create waste. It's very, very easy finding it. Google is an amazing search engine. <laughs> yes. And also, uh, just as a side note, I we buy a lot of zero waste uh, products. Most of them are zero waste products. And I have found them all to be vegan and mm-hmm. cruelty-free along with zero waste. So companies that are making zero waste products and switching their packaging have this awareness that people who are more environmentally conscious are also looking for products that are not tested on animals that do not contain animal products. So it's a win-win and it's uh, really easy. Once you find the products that you like, it's just making that purchase instead of the other purchase. Absolutely. I do agree. And it's just what we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast. It's one dot. When you start connecting the dots together, you realize it's, it's a huge picture. It's not just one way, you know, there's like so many different topics that all together, it means that you love ecology, that you love the environment, you know, you don't hurt animals, you don't, you know, pollute the the planet, you don't, like, it's all connected. It is the wonderful ripple effect that I always talk about with veganism, where it is, I don't think there's ever been a vegan I have met regardless of how they got to veganism, that hasn't started making all of these other changes in just being uh, just lighter on the earth and treading lighter on this earth, causing as little harm as we can. And it's also not something that I think you have to do, um, for, from one day to the next, switch everything. You can start slowly and, and build comfort in that way. I, I hundred percent agree because I try doing things overnight. I tried being vegan overnight. I tried being eco-friendly overnight. It's just not happening. You're (laughs) always going to go back at one point if you're forcing yourself. And you have to be very gentle with with yourself. I mean, you've been living a certain lifestyle for 20, 30 plus years. Or I don't know. I mean, usually that's the transition time for myself, right? And for my friends, we're all in our 20s or in our 30s. And I hope some younger generations are going to start younger. But um there's a certain amount of years that you used to do something. You have your own way of eating, of living, of dressing, of... It's just very hard to do just like, you know, a transition overnight. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. And um, it's very stressful too. So being gentle to yourself and taking it one step at a time when it comes to being a lifestyle, I mean... For two, three months, you can cut the cheese, you can cut then the pork, you can cut chicken. So take it, you know, one step at a time, few months, get your body adjusted, your mind adjusted, and then, you know, educate yourself more and more during that period of time. Remind yourself every single day, why is that good? 
why is it good? Like watch documentaries, watch movies, watch, you know, talk to people that are in the same group, I would say, and remind yourself constantly. And then that's when you're going to get it and you will be rejecting it yourself. It's not going to be anymore. Oh, should I or should I not? It's just absolutely no way. I'm not doing it. Yes. I love how you've been, how you mention the reason why the reason why is so important to keep us moving forward. We need to have that close. And I remember that being such an important part of my going vegan was just remembering those images that I saw. And I, I just remembering why I was doing this Absolutely. and that propelled me forward in that. I think there's a period of time in which we're adjusting and we're not sure we, we should go back. If this is hard, mm -hmm. I haven't gotten used to it. It gets you past that point And then to a place where it is now, something you don't even have to think about. It is so second nature. And I think that happens also with the products that you buy. The first few weeks where I, when I started uh, buying zero waste products, I it felt very odd. It felt like Weird. there were so many, like everything comes in plastic. You really realize that everything comes in plastic. Now it's just the click of a button or grabbing something from another shelf at the store. And, and, and now it's as easy as pie. It just Absolutely. to get through that initial sort of jump. Do you, do you have any advice when it comes to the blocks that someone might have to like, what gets you past that initial hurdle? In which way? What do you mean exactly? For example, someone who's mm -hmm. saying, yes, plastics are a huge problem. They've watched the documentaries. Mm -hmm. They want to make this shift, mm -hmm. but it's that initial step. What can get them past mm -hmm. that, that, that sort of difficulty of the start of saying, oh, but there are no zero waste products where I live or mm, I just, I can't do it. Everything comes in plastic. What is something that you would recommend to just getting started? Like a first step, if you will. Well, I can say the first initial step that helped my family was mm -hmm. joining my cleanups. Oh, and it was just, you know, eye opening. It, they were shocked what all they found on the ground what they found in the water. We even found, unfortunately, a, um, a dead little shark. It was a baby shark and it was dead. When you see images like that, when you go yourself to a cleanup, when you join such organizations, you know, that do such beautiful thing. And there's so many of them. When you go yourself, you don't have to join an organization. You can do it yourself, you know, in your own park. When you see some of those like hurtful things, when you see stuff like that, it's just my mom, she stopped because she smokes, unfortunately, but she stopped throwing the cigarette butts on the ground because she had to bend over at least 100 times to pick up a cigarette butt. <laughs> I made her do it, you know, and it was just she realized how bad that is for our environment. And I say to her, mom, but a bird is going to think that's food for bubble gums, too. Like, we don't think as humans of things like that, like throwing little trash, little plastics, bottle caps, you know, and all of that just affects the nature. So that was, I would say, um, life-changing for her. So now she has her own little, you know, pot where she puts her cigarette butts. And then she's trying as much as possible to change all things in her household, in the kitchen. So instead of sponges using loofah, it's amazing alternative. Um, glass jars also for, you know, nuts, for seeds, for all those beautiful things. Um, reusable containers and also cloth instead of, you know, paper. 
it's it's such better option using cloths. I, I want to get back to the beach cleaning in a second, but now that you've been talking about the kitchen swaps, mm-hmm. I have been uh, reading so many of your posts on Instagram, and there are so many substitutions that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. For example, there are reusable mm-hmm. tea bags for, uh, for tea, uh, mm-hmm. this kind of thing. So what else would you recommend in terms of the kitchen? Because of course, most of our listeners are kitchen addicts, cooking addicts, and that's why they have joined and follow us. Uh, followed us what would you recommend for the kitchen okay so i already mentioned like the glass jars i would use glass as much as possible because it's much easier to uh, recycle and also um it doesn't release toxins when you put hot food in it plastics Mm -hmm. any plastics um they release toxins and then you put the hot food in it and it's just you digest it and it's really really bad for our health so I would definitely go as much as way as possible from the plastics. Uh, for the sponge, you can use loofah. It's amazing. It's natural. You can buy it on like uh, big loofahs and then cut it yourself, or you can just buy like small parts, you know, and then use it as much as you need. Containers, cloth, it's way, way better. Like cotton cloths, so they can be reused for years, literally for years. I love this. And I am a huge glass proponent. And I I always recommend that when it comes to storing food for for food safety as well. Also for like utensils and stuff, you know, silver is is really good. Um, You can use it countless years. Like my mom, she used the same, you know, silverware for the past 20 years. Like we don't Mm -hmm. change that. So it's really good. Much better than plastics for parties and stuff like that. But there's also um, a lot of wooden uh, forks, knives, and you know, uh, little uh, plates and cups and stuff like that, which can be found like in a lot of stores right now. So. Yes, children's birthday parties. I was at a children's birthday party recently, and there was just you don't notice it until you start sort of reading and researching about these issues and you see, Oh my goodness, the amount of plastic produced in one evening that can have a, a, an easy, just as easy alternative. Loans and like cups and plastic forks and knives. And it's just, it goes to trash. You're not going to reuse that, especially now during COVID, nobody's going to reuse any of that. Right. So Mm -hmm. I would say like a lot of um, wooden things for like those parties and stuff. Um, Bamboo actually, not wood, because bamboo is is a way, way better option. It's grass. Um, It grows much faster in the wood. And um, it actually produces a lot more oxygen than regular trees. I didn't know that. It's a really fun fact about bamboo. So bamboo is a a grass. It's really, really good, eco-friendly, I would say, option. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you. I have been just sharing with our family that the the new zero waste products that we're buying, what alternatives we have. uh, And they always tell me, well, yeah, I know that sounds good, but I recycle. So it's okay. I recycle my plastic. What would you say to someone who is putting, I know recycling is of course amazing. We should all be doing it if that is possible in the country where we live. But what, what would you say to someone who is saying, no, you know, we recycle. That's enough. Well, I always follow the three R rule, which is reduce, reuse, recycle. And I always try to use as less as possible. If I can reuse it, that's even better. 
And then the last option is definitely recycle. Um, unfortunately, recycle is really, really hard still nowadays, even in the developed countries. Um, it's a lot of chemicals going on. It's, it's a process. So, I, I mean, I don't know if you know, you knew, but I just recently, like when I started my eco-friendly lifestyle and, and you know, zero waste and all of that, um, I found out that recycling, if you do not clean your containers and you just throw them dirty, they're not going to get recycled. So for recycling, they have to be clean. Like you have to wash everything and then put it for recycling. I can't say this for certain, but I can probably guess that nobody listening or most people listening have no idea that this is the case. I didn't know. So we have to rinse out, rinse out the containers. Everything has to be rinsed. Also the, the type of plastics, they cannot like plastic bottle and plastic bag they cannot be recycled in the same place so they have to be separated that's why there's like different numbers for each plastic you know yeah. hard plastics and then then you know the less the less hard plastics and it's it's a whole process it's really hard and only about 13% of all plastics do get recycled 13% only 13% of the products we're putting in the recycling bin are getting recycled. So the rest is going to a landfill, reaching our oceans. This is mind-blowing and terrifying. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Let's talk about your incredible work with beach cleaning. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons why I became obsessed with your account. (laughs) It brings me so much joy to see this incredibly selfless act. So tell us a little bit about how the beach cleaning started and what you've seen, what you felt doing that just as a person seeing the things that you see. Um, So it all started, um, I mean, it's dating back to 2019 when I saw that poor seagull that it was, um, you know, it it couldn't walk, unfortunately, because of uh, the fishing net. And only seven days later, I organized my first cleanup. That was just like, that was the moment when I realized I want to do something and change the situation. And um, since then, we organized countless cleanups. We took part of different organizations' cleanups because it's always good to support other groups as well, learn from them too. And um, it's it's been an incredible journey. We've seen so much. We've learned so much. We um, encouraged a lot of people to start thinking more about, you know, their their waste, the plastic pollution, and um, people are usually very shocked when they come to enjoying cleanups. They're very shocked, especially if it's the first time. They don't expect to see the things that they see sometimes. I love how you used this as the answer to my question of what is a first step, what gets mm-hmm. you over the hurdle. And the, re- the answer you gave was look at the consequence. It wasn't mm-hmm. like uh, try to find an eco-friendly store. It was look at the, look at the consequence, see it with your yeah. own eyes. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any specific anecdotes of beach cleanings where you've seen something that has touched your heart apart from this the poor seagull mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. any uh, any stories also about the connection between the people who join mm-hmm. these cleanup groups i mean it's incredible because usually people bring their kids with uh and it's very heartwarming to see um a little child of like five years old 
learning already at that age to you know why it's not good to throw trash you know outside on the ground why it's good to take care of the environment and that is i think something like it's the best thing on my cleanups seeing little children being educated i love that the most because those people are going to grow up one day and those people are going to be changing our world for the better yeah. and um it's always the people from the side i would say that are not joining they're not part of the cleanup but they're just like regular they're walking around you know they just passing by and they stop by and they ask us oh what are you guys doing what's going on in here we've had people joining us because they were just they came for a walk they saw us at the beach cleaning they were so amazed that they started cleaning with us so that has been really great um people bringing us uh cakes because they were so thankful because we're cleaning their area i had a gentleman bringing us two cakes and a bunch of like candies and stuff and he was just so thankful so people really do appreciate when they see you doing something like that you know it's and these are such heartwarming stories i am just uh i i i just get really emotional when i i i see people coming together like this. It's uh, such a special thing. How can we find if there is a cleanup group in our area or can we do this on our own if, if there isn't a cleanup group? Absolutely. I do. I do actually encourage people starting by your own. I do that all the time around my neighborhood around. I mean, I live in the capital of Serbia and I also live in New York city. So you can imagine there's trash literally everywhere. Like there's not such neighborhood that's really clean and, you know, it's, it's a capital city. So um, just leaving your apartment, I would say, your building, you're going to find some trash. It, you need 10, 15 minutes once a week and, you know, just clean it. It's so easy. You're going to feel so much better. You're going to be so fulfilled. And you always have to think about it. Nature is grateful. God is grateful. Because he sees that you care about something that he created. So he's always going to give you back so much more. You have to think that way as well. I, I, I love the, the, that you focused on the feeling we can have mm-hmm. when we do this. The, the feeling afterwards, the feeling that we are connected to the world around us. When I was, just a, this is just a quick anecdote from, mm-hmm. from my childhood. When I was... 15 mm-hmm. in Latin American countries, there is this mm-hmm. culture of having this massive party when you turn 15. Mm-hmm. And I come from a very alternative, very hippie, slightly mm-hmm. odd family. And the the concept and the idea didn't appeal to me very much. I'm also not very good at being sort of the center of attention. I don't <laughs> like it. And it just felt like so much pressure to do one of these parties. So my mom asked, well, what do you want to do? And I say, well, I want to go with my classmates. I, I studied in a very small school. We were 13 in my classroom. And I said, I just want us to go to our little house on the beach and spend a weekend together. So my mom organized everything. She did like this itinerary of things we were going to do and natural places we were going to see. And when I was looking at it, one of the sort of things on the itinerary was beach cleanup. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, like, what is this? And my mom, my mom said, we are not going to take 13 teenagers to a beach and not clean it. If you're going to wow. enjoy it, we're wow. going to clean it up. 
And Mm -hmm. I, of course, as a 15 year old kid, I was mortified. I was thinking, oh my gosh, my my friends are going to think that we are the strangest family. They they probably already thought that because we were fairly odd. And I, and she said, listen, if you don't want to put the the beach cleaning on the itinerary, we are not going. The trip is not happening. And I said, okay, well, yeah, okay, we're going to clean the beach. So on that day, we brought like tons of trash bags, gloves, and we started cleaning. And I swear, Sonia, it was the most bonding experience I ever had with my friends from school. I don't know if they remember it the same way, but I remember it as it was the most fun time. We had music going, we were talking and making jokes and just seeing the impact because we filled up maybe a dozen large trash bags. And I still remember, like when I think of that day, I remember all of these trash bags lined up to put them in the cars, to take them mm-hmm. somewhere. And uh, it just, uh, it changed my view of it. And it gives you such an excited feeling afterwards. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you recommend uh, in terms of, of doing the actual picking up any, any, anything mm-hmm. like taking gloves, what types of bags, uh, how can we get started with this and, and feel safe doing it? This is a really, really tricky question because there is not really any organization that I actually joined, even our cleanups, um, it's really hard. There's not really an eco-friendly, I would say, bag to put it into, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That would be a great thing to invent, I would say. But those, the trash, it's extremely heavy, especially if cleaning the ocean or the rivers like we did. It's stuffed with water. It's very heavy. It has to go in like a plastic trash bag. We try to put in like uh, buckets. Mm-hmm. And then from those buckets, just putting in the um, huge trash containers that later mm-hmm. on, you know, the, uh, how you call these trash uh, companies? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it might be even the county that sort of the county, right. is, we always is in charge of that. Yeah. Right. We always organized actually people to come and pick it up before we leave. So we always made mm-hmm. sure it's cleaned and taken care of before we leave because we didn't want, you know, a thunderstorm happening or something and then it all gets out on the beach again right so yes. we always make sure to organize that but um i mean unfortunately it's just you know reusable gloves that you can mm-hmm. use multiple times and it's only for your cleanups for gardening or whatever mm-hmm. and it's really important to have good gloves those reusable the thick ones because yeah. you can find really sharp and not really good things on the ground like we found syringes needles like it's dangerous it's not really for you have to be really careful when cleaning so Mm -hmm. um definitely reusable gloves buckets which is like an alternative for you know plastic bags but it's just unfortunately that's one bad thing i would say you can't go without plastic bags you have to like use them at some point you know yeah but i i think it is uh just the, the 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 thing we see with veganism as well, uh, there are some areas uh, where the the situation is imperfect as we have Absolutely. it now, but we're using it for a greater good. It is, of course, much better to pick up that trash than to leave it there. Being 100% eco-friendly, it's so hard. Like that would mean not traveling by plane because of the CO2 emissions. Like it's 
the other way how I return back to the nature is I plant trees. You know, so you always like you you cannot be perfect and people have to realize that I used to be very hard on myself, you know, and for not switching right away to vegan diet, for you know, having I don't know, chicken like two weeks after I realized okay, I wanna be vegan vegan, you know, it's it was really hard and then I was hard on myself, I was stressed. And then once you realize, okay, let's do it little by little. Let's if you do something that you were not proud of, do something else that you're going to be proud of that's going to substitute kinda of, it's gonna to, you know. So it's it cannot be perfect. It cannot and that's fine. We're people, we're humans as much as we're trying and we have a good will and we give 100%, we educate ourselves, and we're better than we were yesterday. That's what's important, really. I love that. Yeah. That is the per- the most perfect quote um, <laughs> for this episode. I love it. So, Sonia, tell us about your product line mm-hmm. and everything you have on offer there. So, we actually started with uh, bamboo toothbrushes because we're trying to find a product that is um, used the most in everyday life, every single day, and that needs to be changed very frequently and we came to an idea that that's definitely a toothbrush and over 23 billion toothbrushes are thrown away each year 23 billion every year every single yeah so if you think about it annually 23 billion toothbrushes and that per toothbrush per plastic if it needs 450 years to break down, that means that the first toothbrush ever made, it's still somewhere out here. It's, it didn't go away. <laughs> it is, right? it is, it's blowing my mind. Yeah, it's here. It's still here. It's still here. So um, that was the reason we decided for our first product to be a bamboo toothbrush. Um, like I already mentioned, bamboo is uh, grass. So it grows very fast. It doesn't need chemicals to be grown. And um, it's a beautiful substitute for plastic. We also now, from next month, are going to have on our website, um, www.ecoserene.com, cotton bags for fruits and vegetables. We're going to have 100% eco-friendly hair comb, like hairbrush. We're going to have uh, bamboo uh, earbuds. Also, they're made from uh, organic cotton and bamboo, no chemicals. So um, we really try and with our production, we're very strict. So we try really our hardest to change all those products. I would say that we found during our cleanups, which was toothbrushes, plastic toothbrushes, plastic bags, uh, plastic little sticks from, you know, the earbuds. Because at one point I thought they were lollipops. And I'm like, what is this thing? It's so tiny, but it's it's plastic. So I thought maybe it's lollipop. And then I realized all around it was bathroom supplies. Yeah. So it has to be something from the bathroom. And I realized it's actually earbuds. So that's why now we're going to have uh, earbuds made from bamboo and cotton. And all of our packaging is also um, 100% eco-friendly. It's from um, craft paper. So it breaks down, there's no waste and no plastic whatsoever. Uh, and we're going to also have uh, toothbrushes for kids, for girls and uh, boys. It's going to be really fun uh, with like some cartoons on them. So we, we try really hard to like entertain children as well. 
That's wonderful. I haven't seen a lot of bamboo toothbrushes for kids. So right. that is, uh, that's wonderful. This is incredible. Everything that you're producing and everybody, it's the most beautiful. I mean, it, it makes your bathroom more beautiful. The, the stuff that they carry is just very special, gorgeous. You're supporting a small business that is so eco-friendly, that is cleaning up our beaches. Uh, that is incredible, Sonia. I, I, I can't say that enough. So where can people follow you? Where can people purchase these products or just go on these adventures, learn from you, support your work? Um, well, mostly we use Instagram and that's where we actually share pictures of our products uh, when we organize cleanups, when we join cleanups and stuff like that. And our social media, our Instagram is EcoSerene. And also our website, uh, like already mentioned, ecoserene.com. We're going to put very soon more of those products as soon as we have them uh, with us because they're still in production. So, um, yeah, that's our social media, our website. Follow us over there. And um, if you're somewhere in the area where we organize cleanups, please feel free to join us because uh, we organize cleanups in Florida as well. Um, different organizations. So it's, it's beautiful. I would love to see as many of you as possible. Sonia, that is wonderful. And everybody, you will have all of those links in the show notes. So you can just click on it over, follow Sonia, support uh, this incredible team that is doing such good work. And Sonia, I cannot thank you enough for this mind blowing interview. I have copious notes it is. It has changed uh, my views on so many of these issues, and I know that uh, the listeners are going to find it so helpful. Can't thank you enough for this time you've shared with us. Thank you, Kim, so much. I appreciate it. You're very great with asking questions, with interacting, <laughs> and um, sharing a lot of uh, very, very good information with your followers. So I'm very happy that you're growing your podcast and hopefully it's going to be a multi-million people following podcast. Oh, oh <laughs> fingers crossed. I would love that. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Sonia. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Good. Here are some takeaways from my conversation with Sonia. Just like I was once disconnected from how the meat I consumed ended up in those styrofoam packages at the store, so many of us, myself included, have grown up disconnected from what happens to our trash after it has left our homes. Trash doesn't just disappear when it disappears from our awareness. Recycling is amazing, but only a small portion of what we put in our recycling bin actually gets recycled. So always keep in mind the three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. So much change can be implemented in that first R of reduce. The plastic from the first toothbrush ever made is still around today in some shape or form. So much of the plastic found in our rivers and oceans comes from the fishing industry and other large corporations. But even us as individuals, we can vote with our money, try vegan alternatives to reduce or eliminate our consumption of fish, support companies that keep the environment in mind, and write, request, and ask for eco-friendly packaging and change within large companies. 
So much of our plastic is used on the micro level as well. And thankfully, we have people like Sonia and so many others teaching us alternatives for some of these items, from using reusable containers and bags, choosing loofahs instead of kitchen sponges, making our coffee at home or drinking it in the coffee shop and reduce our to-go containers, getting a filter for our water and using our own non-disposable water bottle, swapping plastic cutlery at parties for bamboo cutlery, getting a bamboo toothbrush, choosing bar soaps instead of gels or liquids that come in plastic, and so much more. When you can, choose glass over plastic, bamboo over wood, and reusable instead of disposable. Even if we are not perfect, every choice counts. During these crazy post-pandemic times we're living in, if you use disposable masks, always cut the strings before discarding them. Rinse your plastic containers before putting them in the recycling bin. When you start loving yourself and having compassion for yourself, you are available and can show love and care for others and the world around us. Taking just one small step creates a snowball effect, and sooner than you think, you'll find yourself healing this planet of ours in incredible ways. Join a beach or park cleanup. Start one in your area or do it on your own. It will help protect this planet of ours. It will make this space beautiful, and it will give you a sense of community that is priceless. And who knows? Maybe even cake. And finally, one little seagull can start a revolution and one little girl scout can end up changing the world so explain share and inspire even the littlest ones around you because inside a small seed might be growing that has the possibility of creating change healing change lasting change for the world around us for us as individuals and for the animals Thank you, Sonia, and the whole team behind Echo Serene for making this world a better place and for joining us in this wonderful conversation. I'll see you next week, everyone.